0: God, Father, thank you for, for working in our midst here tonight. We thank you for the moving of your spirit. Hallelujah. We yield ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory. We believe that your work was sufficient. We believe that your death was enough. We believe that your blood is powerful. And your blood still speaks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're our all-sufficiency. All that we need, we give you all the glory, all the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's take a look for a moment at at Matthew chapter 4. It's important that we know what the Lord has done for us. It's also important to know how to, how to not fall into the traps of the devil. Everybody understand that the devil is a trickster? Deceit is his weapon. It's how he gets anything done in the life of the believer. It's through lies. It's through, it's through tricking people. And, uh, and, and don't ever think that stops. While you're here on earth, that doesn't stop. He'll always try to trick you. Always. He can't force us to do anything. Satan cannot just overcome you with his power. His power has been uh, stripped from him, his authority has, by Jesus. So the only thing he can get you to do is, uh, is to believe something false. Or believe something partially true. Incomplete. But somehow, just to twist it just enough, twist it just enough, so we believe something wrong, and that's what misaligns our, our lives from God's greatest effect, His greatest blessing. Just a misalignment, and it's, 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 like I said earlier, it's not so much often a behavior, but it's the belief that leads to the behavior, or the, or the belief about the behavior that already happened. It's really internal that He gets to us externally. And if we recognize that he's always trying to, to to deceive, always trying to trick, then we'll be on our guard. It's kind of like if you had a, if you ever had a roommate or something that was like a prankster, <laughs> you know, maybe in, I don't know, certain years of your life, you know, the old short sheet stuff, and <laughs> or way much more complex than that, you know. I knew one guy who would put, his, he'd go over to a friend's house and. You know how some people, they go to their house and they have, you leave their, their shoes at the front door? So he'd go and grab his friend's shoes and put them in the freezer while the whole time he's there. Right before everyone starts to leave, he goes and puts them back. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. I mean, no, if you've got a friend like that, you're probably on guard, even though that's all in fun and, you know, I guess. And... Uh, but you're, just because you know someone's like that, you're always going around the corner slowly, you know, checking the toilet, see if anything funky's happening there. <laughs> you know, like when they disconnect the little hose and you flush it and it squirts out at you. You know, those kind of things. <laughs> okay, so if you know how that happens in a, in a friendly, jesting way with certain individuals, you need to know that, that Satan is always trying to think of something. He's always trying to come up with something tailor-made for you to get you off track. Teach you to think right, wrong, and then follow through on wrong behavior and go the wrong direction. He's always doing that, okay? This is not doom and gloom, but he's doing it right now, meaning he's trying to strategize how to, how to trick you. The good news is people who spend time in the Word and are in church, they are far less likely to be tripped up. Why? Why? Well, because you're putting yourself in, a, in an atmosphere of truth and revelation and the Holy Spirit, you're listening to Him and He kind of knows everything. And He sees through all the shenanigans and all the the tricks and, and all this stuff. And He enlightens us so we, you know, step over that trap. Right? So we go around that thing. And if our thinking starts to get off, again, many times just by being in church, uh, light will come or something will be said. Uh, and don't think, don't think that just because I say something or another pastor or, or minister says something that they know about your situation. Most of the time, we don't. Most of the time, I say things and someone comes up to me and said, you said this. You, and you said this. And that was right at me. I'm like, praise God. Cool. But I, you got to know, I don't have a clue what's going on in your life. You know, sometimes people get nervous. <clears throat> he knows. Well, if there is a knowledge, it's only in part, and it's only to edify, and it wouldn't be to to embarrass or anything like that anyway. But I'm just telling you, most of the time, I can be looking straight at someone, and they think, oh, he knows. (laughs) And I totally might read your mail without even knowing. It's amazing how many times that happens. You you said this in service. I said, yeah, I think I remember saying that. And that's exactly me. Wow, I didn't know that. I just thought it was a good illustration. And you named the you know I named the exact situation that was happening. It was done in spite of me. Everybody with me? Yeah. Here's what I'm, here's why I'm saying that. Uh, being in a house like this uh, enables or puts ourselves in a, us in a position where Satan's lies can be unraveled and exposed, and where there's confusion, clarity comes. There's lack of understanding. All of a sudden, whoop! Okay, there's the answer. And that disrupts the enemy's plans because all he can do is try to deceive. Try to trick. Amen. Sometimes come at you straight on, but most of the time it's in a conniving way. You know, it's not, hi, <laughs> comes to your front door. I'm the devil. I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you'll just repeat after me, I'm a diabetic. I'm a cancer, vic- cancer victim. I'm a, an abuse victim. See, like those things. I have, I'm not reading anyone's mail right now, but when I say them, now I'm thinking, probably just nailed someone right to the wall with their things they do. You say things about yourself and you don't know the devil was feeding it to you. It popped into your mind and you repeated it. I guess I'm a, anyway, back to my illustration. He doesn't come that way and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm, what I'm doing. He, he comes, you know, not with the, the for, pitchfork and the red tail, but in a sneaky way. Yeah, good. He sneaks. Okay. Anyway, I wanted let's just, I just want to see what the Lord does with this. And maybe we're finished and maybe we'll say a little bit more or do something else. But, uh, some of you know the story of Jesus when He was tempted after he's was baptized. Uh, verse, uh, Matthew 4, verse 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when, and when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, He was hungry. And when, when the tempter came to Him, He said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. So the tempter came to him. I don't think Jesus was confused about who was tempting him in this situation. However, Satan is uh, bringing temptations that are... Can you fix this sound? It's funky. It's a devil trying to do that. (laughs) Uh, uh, Satan came at him with very uniquely crafted... Uh, temptations to his situation as you can see here Jesus had been fasting 40 days then he got hungry how would you tempt that person <laughs> <laughs> well how about food <laughs> that will do the trick you don't have to be a rocket scientist to uh, to be able to figure out that that's a you know probably a good strategy um, but he said if you are the son of God a command that these stones become bread. I've always thought that's such an interesting temptation because you analyze it and you think if someone's hungry and they decide to eat, what's wrong with that? Nothing. I mean, and 40 days, that's probably long enough. <laughs> you know, outside of a word from God to go 41. And most of the time, God isn't telling people to do that anyway. He obviously did with Jesus. But there's nothing wrong with Jesus eating at this point. There's nothing wrong with him eating bread at this point. Right? <laughs> but Satan comes at, at him that way. And then the, the way he tempted him was a uh, command that these stones become bread okay stones to bread what's wrong with that what's wrong with what's wrong with bread that used to be a stone I don't think I've ever had bread that used to be a stone but it's probably good (laughs) got that gritty taste that stone stone taste (laughs) what's wrong what's wrong with that well uh You think about it, um, does the average human being, and I say average, does any human being have the ability to turn stones into bread? Have you ever turned stones into bread? I could go to the grocery store, yes, but I do have some rocks in the backyard. Wouldn't that be easier? I've never done that. If someone has, I don't know about them. I'm not saying someone in the it's a big world and a lot of history. But in human, in human ability, fleshly ability, no, we can't do that. And since Jesus was functioning as a man, he wasn't functioning as God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been hungry in the first place. God doesn't get hungry. The human Jesus, the man Jesus, son of man, he was hungry. Well, does the Son of Man even have the ability to turn stones into bread? No, He doesn't. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know some of you are thinking, well, Jesus could. No, no, He couldn't. Not as a human being. Now, He could if He was led by the Spirit. If, he had a, if His Father said, do, do the stones to bread thing. He could have, but at the same time, you could do that too if God told you. Any one of us could, if God told us do this. Well, that gives us the power to do it. So one way I can see how this is a is a, a sneaky temptation. Jesus is literally hungry. Is is if he were to turn the stones into bread, he would have to do that outside of his father. He would have to, one thing I could say is he would have to do that as God, not as son, as son of God, not as son of man. And that's not, any, that's not something he did during his whole three and a half years. He didn't, he didn't go back and forth. You know, you'll hear this taught in some, some circles that Jesus did miracles uh, to prove he's God. No, no. He never stepped into Godness. To do miracles, he always did them as the Son of Man anointed by the Spirit of God, just like believers today. He did everything he did because he was led. He had a word from his Father. He was acting on the Scriptures. That's how we. He didn't have a word to do this, so he couldn't do it unless he just said, Oop, "Let's just get this done." I'll just do a little. You know, I'm God. Right? Oh, you all got quiet on me there. It's okay to think, it's okay to think about this. Um, but also you can see. Well let's look at verse 4. But he answered and said. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That being a, a word. That being a, a, a command word means that it would be wrong to live by bread alone. It would be wrong for us to not live by the Word of God. So Jesus, this would be a violation if He all of a sudden at the very beginning of His ministry starts doing things on His own outside of the directive of the Father. It would be, you know, we might be able to say it this way, if He didn't trust in what was written in the word and instead relied upon himself, that would be sinful. Mm -hmm. Satan tries to get people to ignore what, what is written. Jesus brought it back and said, no, we live by what God says. I live by what he says. He didn't say anything about turning the stones into bread right now, so no, I'm not doing that. I wonder if we could up our seriousness of making decisions based on the word of God. That's good. I don't, I don't have, I, I can't make this decision just because I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to control this with my power. No, I need to ask, what did the Lord say? Where, what is written about my life, about my situation? That's how I live. If I live by something shy of thus saith the Lord, or it is written, then I am in essence putting myself in the position of God. The, the, the devil's a trickster. Try to finagle. If you, wanna, if you wanna win in life, realize he's gonna he's gonna mess with your with your logic. He's gonna try to make a case. Like a lawyer would make a case in, in, in court. Like a prosecutor might... You know, Satan's called the accuser of the brethren. He's the, he's the prosecutor against us to God. He's going to try to do whatever he can to paint this in a certain light. to so where we go, well, yeah... I mean, why do, you, why do you think some people, they back away from God because of, of, of mental um, gymnastics and the taking uh, human knowledge and just trying to counsel away the reality of God, and start people start going down a trail and thinking, "Oh yeah, that doesn't even make sense. You know If there's sin and God created everything, then God created sin. You know, and they start going, oh yeah, this doesn't make any sense. And it's dumb thoughts like that, these little circles. You know, and well can God make a rock that's too big for him to lift? <laughs> it's it's useless circular arguments that profit nobody. And it's all a trick to bring a question. Satan came at Adam and Eve in the garden. And God had given them apparently very few instructions, at least that were written. And he was just fellowshipping with them. But Satan immediately came. And you know his trick was? Has God said? Did God really say? To get them to step back and question every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which was their life-sustaining power. And say, oh, I don't know. Yeah why didn't he tell us about this what is he keeping from us what did he not want us to know it's a trick amen Amen. and so the lord wants us to overcome praise god everybody okay (laughs) uh this might not be the best organized message but uh go to another place with me uh to the book of Romans, organizing on the fly. <coughs> Romans, the, the last part of Romans, it's in uh, chapter sixteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, one of his lies is, is, is that you're not good enough. That you're not truly righteous in Christ. Something wrong with you. Now, Again, there could be something wrong with you. Right? I mean, but in Christ, your, your uh, standing with God is not changing from day to day. God's love for you is not wavering. It's not going up and down based upon what you do, right? So we always come to God in faith, faith in His consistency and unchangeableness rather than exalting our sin above that. All right. I just needed to say that one more time, I think. It's not even related to what I'm about to read. Uh, Romans 16, verse 17 Talking about these tricky strategies of the enemy. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Why would we be told to avoid people uh, who cause divisions and offenses? Well, Maybe you don't want to give them credibility or place, but you don't want them, their, their divisiveness, their offense to get in you. How many people have been led away from God, not because of something that happened to them, but because of something that happened to someone else? And they were, someone else was hurt, and whether it was legit or not, it doesn't really matter, but people take their hurt on, and then as a response to that, they start talking about other people. Well, this person did this, and they become very judgmental. They judge everyone's motives. This person did this, and that person, and before you know it, they're divisive, and and and, and before, they don't realize it, but but it's Satan uses, using them. Remember, he's always trying to trick. He tricks one, and if he can deceive you into into taking a, you know, a root of bitterness upon, on you, then he'll use that to try to get it into other people. I've known people who have, you know, again, over the years, I'm not thinking of anyone kind of recent or anything like that, but of people who have left our church over over nothing that happened to them. But someone else had an offense. Okay, I'm thinking of someone now, but it's years ago. Okay. I'm under the presence of God. I can't, like, mess with, I don't want to, I can't deceive you. (laughs) Don't want to. But, you know, meaning acting like I'm not thinking of someone. I am. Okay. I'm not telling you who it is. I'm not I'm not here to expose people. But this one person had this situation and they had taken some offense over some things that had happened and it was, you know, it's re- it was really no big deal. So it's often a matter of personality clash and just thing and they took offense to this and they shared it with this other person. Now, the first person, they got it all solved. They forgave, got it all worked out, relationships were all restored. The other person didn't let it go. The other person held on to it. And they were angry for this other person, and they lashed out and caused division. And they're all gone out of the church now anyway, so it's okay. I mean, for us to talk about it, what I mean. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a work of the enemy. But that's sometimes how he does it. I think most of us know by, by now, by however old you are, uh, that when you hear of someone who's upset or who's angry or, or who's speaking negatively about another person, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Or just kind of cut them off in love. Because what it is is so often they're, they're not telling you the whole story anyway. Because they're viewing it through a twisted perspective, through an offense, through a hurt, through immaturity. And they're trying to get you on board. All right. When one person's hurt, they want to have an army. And then they want to tell others, and lots of people think this. And I'm not the only one, but there are a bunch of people like me. Now, honestly, I'm not thinking of anyone now. I only thought of someone the one time. I am 100% not mindful of anything, especially if something's going on like now in someone's life which it probably is or I wouldn't be saying this. I have zero knowledge of it. So you don't have to wave your hand and say it's me. God's mercy is great. That's part still real. But let's not be tricked. Not be deceived and let the enemy knock us out of our place. Yeah. Scriptures—it's just a strong word. He said, "I'm urging you, brothers, brethren." But then, that, then you'd have to say sisterin. So he said, "Note those. Really, note them. Like, like make a note. Like in my notes app." <laughs> Doug Hilton. <laughs> really, like note. Note them. Make a note. About who? The ones who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned. So what should I do with that note? When you see them, (laughs) avoid them. Well, certainly the Lord wouldn't want us to avoid anyone really like, like truly like avoid. Oh, here he comes. <laughs> he said that avoid him again. Why? Because you're not really walking in love. No. Paul's the one who wrote the love chapter. Come on. He knew about love and he's saying, you've got to keep this stuff out of your church. When people are doing that, you can't pretend, pretend that it's Okay. We're not just friends as always. Well, that's kind of strong. But we're we're buddies. I know, but when they're doing that, you're not buddies anymore. Doesn't mean they can't come back. They can't get right. It doesn't mean you don't want them. It doesn't mean you're going to stop praying for them. But when they're doing that, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I've got to get away. I've got to have some distance here. He said to avoid those people. It also tells me who I should get close to. Who I should follow. You don't want to follow someone who's always, who, who's, who's always angry at others. You don't want to follow someone who's always meh, 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 always finding fault with other people. You want to get away from that. But the opposite would be true if I'm supposed to note. I mean, it doesn't say this, but you judge it for yourself. If I'm supposed to note those who are causing divisions, maybe I had to, had to have another note for those who are causing unity. Wade more. <laughs> when you see him, pull up close. <laughs> Try to be a friend. Right? Listen to what he has to say. Follow his example. Don't avoid him. Get close to those kind of people. Why? Because you want that getting on you. I don't want that anger. I don't want that division. That offense. I don't want that spirit getting in my life. But I want that spirit of unity. And when you see people, they're bridge builders and they're quick to forgive and someone does them wrong and they kind of say, yeah, they're probably having a bad day. It's fine. They're quick to just give people a break. Pull up close to that. Good good. Good. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let me show you one, another one. Uh, Philippians. That's a right turn. Oh, I got to find this one. Uh to do to do Um Think I found it. <laughs> Verse 17, Philippians 3:17. Brethren, join in following my example and here's see, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Who am I supposed to make notes about? So, this is the positive note now. You got two notes. Note those who walk as you have us for a pattern, those who are doing like we do. Those who are following Paul, those who are following their leaders, they're living their lives that way. He said, make a note of them. He said, verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So, again, there's, there's this language he's writing to a whole different group of people here. He's still telling them to pay attention to the people around him. Now, I don't think he's encouraging a, a, a highly judgmental mentality. We're, we're looking for faults in people so we can add them to our list. <laughs> oh, I saw you. You looked at me wrong. You're, on the, you're totally on the avoid list. No, now you're, now you're fleshy yourself. Okay. We're not talking about those who annoy you or those who do you wrong. Don't make a list of people who do you wrong. Come on, come on. That's the opposite of what we're talking about. <laughs> we're not making lists and keeping tabs of every, you know, it's like this, the spouses that, keep, that write things down about, you know, the things that their, other, their partner has done to them. <laughs> you did this, I mean, I'm keeping a record of this. You know how ungodly that is? Yeah. Come on. How far away from God that is? <laughs> Though don't we remember scriptures about he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. They never meet. Right? He blots out our sins. He remembers them no more. If you have lists of people who've, who've, who've sinned or have done, done you wrong, burn that list immediately and pray for them. Pray blessings and good things in their life. I just want to clarify, that's not the kind of list we're talking about or what Paul's talking about. Talking about those who are trying to blow up the body. Those who are trying to sow division. Amen. Amen. I know. Uh, well, my daughter mentioned this, uh, my youngest daughter, um, about in, in, in Proverbs, there's the list of the seven things that God hates. And, and one of them is the, the last one those who sow discord among brethren. God hates it. So it's right up there with murder, division sowing. God hates it because uh, at, no, it was windy, I think, because it was just the other day. Anyway, there's, there's, some, there's some movie out there, I'll try to be vague, because I haven't actually seen it. Not, not a movie, but a uh, documentary of a particular church that apparently had some problems or some leaders fell, and, uh, and, and, in, and in, uh, in the school that she goes to, a Christian school, They're showing that in the class. It's secularly produced. And it's just, they took, sometimes secular groups will take every opportunity to bash Christians. And if someone falls, they're going to jump all over it. And so they don't, it's not just about you know, build, you know, telling people how to live with integrity. It's not just encouraging the students to live with integrity and all this kind of stuff that might be a positive. It's a totally bashing thing. And the reason they showed is because those who fell were charismatics. And so those, those can I say this out loud? Too late. <laughs> yeah, anyway. And so they do this, but, but the, the, the question the, the question is, why would they? Do, why would they do that? They're not thinking of this whole division thing and how Satan wants to do that. And, and when other, when people in the body of Christ, no matter what their church is or what whatever, and they fall, we're not there to pounce on them. We're not that there to, to blow up their mistake and say, "See, if you would have been a part of my church, you wouldn't have done that." Really, <laughs> but that doesn't. There's not a spirit of unity in there. And so you want to avoid things that that, that do that. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. God's mercy is great. But part of the grace of God enables and allows us to know who we should follow and who we should not follow. Let me show you one more. You got a minute? I know it's getting kind of early. First uh, Corinthians. It's still light outside. Isn't that the rule? You go tell it's dark. No, I'm just. I think we're. I think we're about done. First uh, Corinthians five. This is kind of a can of worms, so I hope I don't talk about this very long. First uh, Corinthians five and verse nine. Paul writes here, he said, I wrote to you in my epistle, epistle is a letter, that's not an apostle's wife. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. He's saying, he's telling them, I don't want you hanging out with certain people, but I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You can hang out with sinners because we're the light of the world. He said, but when someone's calling himself a Christian and they're just acting like they can just live anywhere. He said, don't hang out with them. Nah, go out to eat with someone else. He said, but, but now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or a sister. Who is sexually immoral, sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a violer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. Don't go out to eat with them. So, so there's, a, there's a real truth to uh, us having safeguards. And it's really, it's for our own lives, but it's for the protection of the church. And it's really to help the other person. Well, you got someone who's saying, yeah, I'm spirit-filled and I'm, I love the Lord. And they're also doing things. <laughs> I don't mean they're just, they were tempted and they fell. And they're sorry. and, and No, but I mean, they're just like, they don't care. Hallelujah. What does he say? He says, no, don't go out to eat with them. Well, why would you do that? Well, so they'll recognize that this is a problem. Yeah. It's just not okay to live a double standard. Right. It's not about someone who's weak and falls, and, and everyone has done that. Talking about a hypocrite. Yeah. Come on. Come on. They got their hands lifted high in church, but then live a total compromise life. Yeah. Good. Come on. So really, again, the same writer here. Paul wrote this, wrote the love chapter. It's in this, in this book. 1 Corinthians 13 wrote all about love. And he's the one uh, who, who is saying this. He goes on to say in verse 12, for what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. It's kind of a strong language there. The evil person. Put away the e- What's the evil person? The saved person, the believer, <laughs> who's just doing, doing things and just acting like it's fine. It's just acting like, hey, I'm a Christian just like anybody else and I can live this way because God is merciful. You just misinterpreted the merciful thing. Yeah, that's that's, uh, uh, that's uh, how, do you, how do you say that? That's um, misusing the grace of God. Yes. It's what you might call you know, sloppy grace or something like that. Just, oh, it's God's grace. I can do anything I want. No, God's grace is to put you over the top, not to put you under. It's not not to make you a slave to sin. It's to give you victory over sin. Amen. 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 Now take all this, if if you're thinking about this on a personal level, take all this in the context of what was said earlier. Okay? Say, well, I've certainly blown it. And you're in the right place. And if you have a desire for God, you're totally in the right place. And don't let the devil twist that for you and say, yeah, you need to get out of here. Because, you're, you're you're you know you're just a, a walking contradiction. Not if you want God. The person who struggles but seeks God will get, will overcome. That's a different, totally different mentality. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stand up together? Father, thank you for working in here tonight by your Spirit. Thank you for your grace.